Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. Sean, today we've got, uh, we're going to do kind of a random flight on some things. Um, We're going to be discussing uh, balance of power and persuasion and uh, how to kind of create, I mean, we've had this discussion before, we're talking about uh, being in a niche or being a generalist, but also from a standpoint of authority and how to create authority, even if you're not you know, you know, cornering yourself in a niche, how to do that, like celebrity, local authority, exclusivity, supply, demand. But I think regardless of whether you niche or not, you have to create some kind of, um, some kind of power, um, balance of power there that shifts back towards you. Because if the power is in the consumer, which, you know, often happens if you're a commodity, (laughs) Yep. You're in a bad place. That's a bad place to be. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So you got to have something that stands out. Absolutely. uh, Whether you're in a niche or not. And I I think these do apply either way. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of people that very strongly, I talk to them all the time that just don't want to niche the way marketing has been taught in the last couple of years, at least where it's like niche, 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 you know, keep going down to niches until you're just super specific and all this stuff. And it, right. you know, that can get exhausting, but, yeah. um, but these strategies work because I think everybody falls into a niche. Yeah. Most, I mean, it's just now because marketing's trying to be more and more unique, right. And try to say something different. It's no longer enough to be like in the personal development niche or in the sales niche, right. Sales training niche. Now they, right want you to be a sales trainer to realtors who, you know, do a million dollars a year. Right. Um, while on vacation. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <Or something. laughs> it's like, like okay. some weird combination <laughs> of people. That's who, that's uh, only who I work with. Right. I mean, yeah. That's the only people I work with. Um, <laughs> and I get the argument like, but I actually think the algorithms have changed and with some of the, you know, mm-hmm. the iOS updates that don't allow tracking as well. I think actually, generalism is kind of like, that's how the targeting works now. It's much more yeah. general. Well, listen, we're, um, we're referencing on this, we're referencing Dan Kennedy and I don't ever consider Dan Kennedy a guy that was a super hyper niche person. I mean, no. like he did stuff on everything, info market, info marketing, um, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. He's written space ed copy. He's written all kinds of copy. Copywriting. I mean, he's a copywriter. Yeah. But he, he's written for all kinds of niches. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, we know him. A lot of people might listen to this call know him because he talks a lot to direct response marketers. Mm-hmm. But he actually wrote for all kinds of people. Right. Like, if you really look at his portfolio of stuff, like, this was almost a side business for all his other stuff that he's done. Yep. Um, you know, which is why he always has examples and everything else because he's out there doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So his niche quote was his direct response, which is pretty wide. Yep. Absolutely. You know, he doesn't do a niche within a niche within a niche. No. Like that's, no. um, so anyway, that can get very we tiring too, going down that road, you know, cause oh, you yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> in fact, you may, you may need a drink to talk about that. So what I do probably you do? <laughs> what are you having over there? Well, speaking of having a drink, um, having a strong drink, um, right. I don't have a beer today, so I didn't have time to grab one, but I do have a little whiskey. 
Um, okay. From Bullet Bourbon. I'm going to pull up their. Uh, oh, that's a good Texas brand right there. Actually, I think it's Kentucky. I thought it was Texas. I thought Bullet was from Texas. It says, we'll see. It says Frontier Whiskey. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like it would be from uh, Texas, but it says Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, let's see. Do you see that? Am I on the screen here? I'm sharing. Oh, there we go. Let me add it. On share. Be nice. Share. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah. Distilled and aged in the bullet. Bullet. It's not. I don't know if they. Bullet. Family tradition. Bullet. So it's not bullet. It's bullet. Is, it, would that, is that how you pronounce it, Sean? I always called it bullet. <laughs> um, it is made from pure Kentucky limestone filtered water uh, in the bu- bullet family tradition. <laughs> That's just going to keep stumping you, isn't it? <laughs> I ain't how you spell bullet. Um, that ain't it. <laughs> that ain't right. Bullet Bourbon Awards, San Francisco. Man, they, so they're, I mean, it's pretty, I've never, this is my first time having it. So I see it a lot. Maybe uh, it's just, I had it here the first time. So I kind of associate it with, with Texas. Um, inspired by the uh, whiskey pioneered from the old family recipe 150 years ago. Yeah, Only ingredients of the very highest quality of you are used, of course. If I remember, because I think I've had this, I think it's very smoky. So it'll be interesting to see what you think about it. I remember it being very smoky when I've had this before. Okay. So it says it has yeah, a light more. toffee flavor too. A little yeah. bit, little bit, uh, maple, oak, nutmeg. My palate is not that sensitive when I drink <laughs> straight bourbon. Like I just don't. I, I can taste like the smoke or not, but like get into the like toffees and caramels and stuff. Like yeah. it's hard for me to, to taste it. So. And I even, uh, let's see, of course I like, I prefer it. Some people like it's neat. Um, yes. I prefer it with a little Cube. ice, a little rock okay. there. Yeah. So, uh, is that a hailstone from the, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I, if I wait long enough, I might be able to pick one up. Yeah, uh, you just use hailstones for your, for your drink. Right. All right. Well, I'm having a, I don't know if I've had this one before. I've definitely had the brand. This is a local brand. They're about five miles down the road. Okay. Infamous Brewing. All right. I don't have a website pulled up, but it's uh, Infamous Brewing. And this is a tir- tiramisu coffee stout. Ooh. A gift from the gods. Wow. Tiramisu. About, yeah. And it's about 8% um, ABV. Mm-hmm. It says, enjoy hints of chocolate and vanilla in this low acidity blend by Camacho All-American Stout with Invader Coffee, Tiramisu Flavored Coffee Beans. So this is, oh, it's a it's one of those combo deals um, from the Invader Coffee. Oh, okay. Uh, also, because these guys are like 200 yards apart, mm-hmm. um, not too far from here. So they do a lot of blends together. Mm-hmm. So this is Infamous Brewing with Invader Coffee. Oh. Um, and Invader Coffee is a better-known coffee brand. If you're mm-hmm. looking for a new coffee, they have really, really good coffee. All right. That's a good combo. Shall we cheers, yes, cheers it up? We should. All right, cheers. Hmm. Is it smoky? 
or not? I don't think it's that smoky. I don't. Okay. I don't notice the smoky one. flavor. Okay. Of course, I don't notice anything that it says. It says nutmeg and oatmeal, and <laughs> I don't notice any of that stuff. Um, you just feel the burn, huh? That's it. That's right. That's right. Maple. Oak. Um, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't notice any of that. Yeah, I don't know who these people are that think they taste like that stuff. <laughs> but it's good. So. I, it's pretty smooth. So, um, you know, I, I wish I was more of a, a bourbon uh, connoisseur, uh, but I, I'm honestly not. I mean, I like to sip it with, you know, in the evening. I'll, I'll like yeah. to have a have a glass. But, you know, our buddy David is having a bourbon tasting here in a few weeks at his place. And, uh, oh, cool. You going? Yeah. Well, it's on a Saturday. I don't know if I'll be able to make it because it's on a Saturday. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I've tasted so many, and I just I don't know if I have the palate to distinguish. Um, yeah, they That's all taste like, uh, very similar to me. <laughs> you know, Four Roses, uh, Elijah Craig, pretty much tastes very similar. Yeah. So I don't know. I do taste. I mean, I've had Four Roses. I definitely tasted a little floral when I. Yeah, definitely a little more floral than smoky, and okay. like it has to be a pretty big difference to me. Yeah, um, but like I don't definitely don't get into the toffees and oaks and oatmeals yeah. and that kind of stuff. Like right. I don't really get that. So, um, all right. Well, what do you rate that? Is that the first time having it? This is the first time. Okay. So my go-to is typically a uh, Elijah Craig or a Four Roses. Um, okay. So. It's very similar. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a solid four, two, four, two. It's good. Cool. Smooth. All right. All right. I'll give mine. I'm not sure what I'm tasting exactly. Um, definitely got some coffee in it. Um, coffee comes through pretty nicely. I do taste that. Yeah. I don't know if I, I can't remember the last time I've had tir, tiramisu. So I don't know how close to tiramisu it is because it's been a long time. <laughs> so I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it a four. It's solid. It's good. Um, but if I had like four or five different beers, I don't know if this would be the first one I'd pick out of the fridge. <clears throat> I had but a tiramisu a few weeks ago. I was down in uh, Florence. Let's see. Yeah, it was Florence, Alabama. There's a restaurant down in Florence, Alabama. It's called Georgia's Steakhouse, and they advertise the best steaks in the South. Okay. Wow. I, you know, they're good. Uh, but I had the, t- I had the tiramisu there, uh, for dessert and it was actually, yeah. it was very good. So, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Good marketing, right? I guess they yeah. got you there. Yeah. Best. Yeah. That's what attracted me in the first place, you know, best. See, and that, and that's like, some people would say, well, that's not good copy. It's too general. It's too vague. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's a pretty bold promise. Like, I got me there. Like if you're going to go with like specific or bold, I think sometimes bold works. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of curiosity in that too, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Like you want to find best, out. I mean, yeah. Best taken. I mean, and, and we've talked about hyperbole before, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, but maybe, maybe it's not quite the best, but if it's even kind of the best, it's got to be pretty good. So Absolutely. I'm going to give it a shot. So, you know, that's why those things work. Well, you just want to know, is it, you know, it's kind of like talking past the sale, you know, that we've talked about before. So you've already got me at, you know, now we're just steak. arguing. <laughs> you already got me at steak. It's, it's a good steak, but is, is it yeah. the best steak? Um, yeah. 
So yeah, I'm so. already having that conversation. Uh, yep. In your head. Yep. So, all right, well, let's jump into these, uh, persuasion and the balance of power, authority, those kind of things. Yes, indeed. And, uh, look at that. Our, our buddy Chris found us even at an earlier time. So must not be doing spin classes right now. <laughs> um, so before we, before we jump into a topic, I do want to mention, uh, one of our guests, and I've uh, mentioned this before, Kevin Donlin, he's, he was a guest on a few months ago. Great copywriter, um, but I get his, uh, I'm on his mailing list now, and it's cool because he sends, you know, he talked about the um, sending out the paper email when yeah. he was on our show in the, in the past and I actually stole this from him almost not word for word, but I stole the whole format of his email, but he sent this to me. I got this last month and he titles this the paper email. So okay. this is a, an attention getter. Um, and it, at the very top, it says, Jonathan, why did I, <clears throat> why did I send you a paper email? Uh, because you and I both hate cold emails. Isn't that the case, right? And then he gets right into this. Here's what this is about. Um, and then he, he gets into his topic. So, uh, which in his case is about um, uh, marketing and, you know, why he's, you know, he used that to talk about his, you know, his, his, his copywriting and all of that. But I use that, that actually that very first part, those two sentences at the beginning, and I stole this almost word for word, and I sent this to some of my clients, and um, it actually does get attention. You know, people, um, you know, people don't, it, it's not expected, especially when it says in red at the very top, paper email. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? So, it, it, it does, it's kind of that, um, uh, it breaks that, uh, it's like a pattern interrupter. We're all. So did you do the red when you sent it to? Yeah, I did. I did the red. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Uh, I like I said, I copied it word for word. That's um, a little bit like I can see the red too. It's like it's almost like a last notice stamp at the top. It is. Know? It is. And I used the exact same font. You know, red red lettering, and yeah. you know, pretty much the same format, um, except I tailored it obviously to my uh, customer base. And, um, so it's, well, if you're going to copy from somebody's test, you might as well copy exactly. Right. Yep. Exactly. I mean, otherwise, otherwise you're screwing up your chances. That's right. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So you've had pretty good luck with that. You've had yeah. people. Yeah. Reach out it's, and- um, yeah, it gets their attention. It's, it's, to me, it's good. Um, in my business, it's always good to send these and then follow it up with a phone call. And they're like, Oh, right. that was pretty, uh, you know, that, that's pretty clever. I've never gotten, and typically the response that I'll get is, uh, you know, I've never gotten something like that. So when you, when you make that phone call, do you do the, I remember this from like the, the lumpy male guys, you know, um, can't remember their name, but they always, they gave a script. It's like, you call and say, Hey, I'm Jonathan. I'm the guy that sent you the paper email. Yeah. Is that how you start? Yep. Yep. Yeah. If I, especially if I get a, um, Sometimes I'll get a voicemail, and so yeah. then I'll I'll leave that. You probably got a, I'm the guy that sent you the the paper email, <laughs> which most people are like paper email. Yeah, that's that's a unique, yeah. that's a unique way to put that. Um, that's I mean that's all you're trying to do is get through the clutter. So that's right. 
And it really Everybody is just a letter, but you're you're kind yeah. of like positioning it differently. Right. Right. Because everybody else calls and says, I sent you some I sent you a, brochure. Yeah, I sent exactly. you some information. And they're like, yeah, don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> like I get 15 pieces of information a day in my, sure. in my mailbox, you know? Right. So. And what uh, you're doing yeah, yeah. when you say that, I love the, the line and I stole that because we both hate cold emails mm-hmm. and that's, that's, that's really a good message if you're selling because they do hate. I mean, they hate people like your, your target market, especially if they don't know you well. They really do hate getting unsolicited well, emails it, most of yeah, the and time. And it's instant, re, it's instant report because they know that you know they hate that. It's empathy, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's just, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're, it's very cool to understanding see that their headaches. Like, listen, I don't have time for this. I understand you don't have time for this. That's why I'm sending you a paper email, you know, cutting through the clutter. So speaking of cutting through the clutter, I've got another thing um, that I'm going to share. And this kind of ties into our topic of power um, that we're going to be talking about power and persuasion and positioning. So there's a company that I discovered, Sean. It's a company called, have you ever heard of Murdy Creative Company? That's a new one. I have not. Okay. So they do these really cool. So I'm notorious. Um, in the past, I've, I've always used these um, send out presentation uh, binders. And these are only to uh, typically high qualified prospects that I have. So obviously they have okay. to meet a threshold that, you know, uh, you know, th- this is typically a hundred thousand dollar sale plus client and, you know, I have to be, I have to move to at least to a uh, phase of the process to where, you know, we're talking. I mean, this is not a cold, this is typically not just a cold presentation that I'm sending out. This is, this is a warm presentation and it's got to be to a qualified client. So I'm going to share this, um, okay. share the screen here. This is a company, again, the company is called uh, Murray Creative, and I found, I stumbled across them from Facebook. I got an ad for them, but they do these things, they're refillable binders. And so I do a lot of presentations, and in the past, I did a lot of these through just, you know, FedEx office where they would bind them, and really nice, uh, you know, heavy stock paper, and they would put the, you know, the clear cover or the clout, you know, the... Um, the, the frosty cover on the, on the front. So in yeah. the little spiral binding and all that, which is great and everything, but really, uh, I found this, I mean, these are, these are high end. These are about a hundred bucks. Oh, these are nice. Yeah. But these are leather quality leather. And here's the cool thing. You can actually put your logo on these and send these oh, out. Cool. So if you have a, you know, you have a company logo or you have your own logo, you can add this to these little slim cut. You can, and you can, um, you can, you know, create the size you want, the dimensions you want of these leather, uh, binders. And it really depends on how much, you know, you know, how thick they're going to be, how many pages are going to be in this. Um, and typically what I'm sending out is usually about 20 to 20 to 30 pages, you know? Um, so I usually get the, the slim, uh, more of the slim cut, um, for about, I think it's like 30 to 40 pages that it holds, but you get these leather, you get, you get these leather binders in, they'll engrave. Um, I'm going to show you an example here. Uh, 
I just love these, man. These are so cool. And this is Murdy Creative, M-U-R-D-Y. Yeah, Murdy Creative. Creative.com. And so I get... .co. Yeah, get .co. So I get the creative in, the company. I have the logo created. Hold on. Hold that up. I'm going to remove your screen. Oh, there we go. Okay, there you can see it. Yep. Oh, that's nice. That looks like a really nice journal. Yes. Like... Um, and, and what they advertise is these things last for 150 years. You know, it's like, it's wow. crazy. Um, How do they know that? And they send you a warrant, well, 120, I'm sorry, 120 year warranty. They send the card in with 120 year warranty. Wow. Uh, with the card. And I get the, you know, I send this, they send this out with a little personalized to me. Okay. Um, and at the so very, you, do you get them sent to you first and then you send them out? Yeah. Exactly. Because okay. I, I okay. usually have them printed up and then sent out to the, uh, to the client. Okay. And uh, it comes with a note from the, uh, from the artist. Uh, it says, uh, building this company has been a dream of mine for many years. It's all written in almost a handwriting type, type font. Uh, Building this company has been a dream of mine for many years. There's a rich history of quality American craftsmanship, especially in the field of leather working. For me, there's an intense pride in what we make. I've always believed that the best and most sustainable designs are the ones that are built to last a lifetime. Our products don't rely on stitching or glue. Instead, we use non-corroding steel hardware and our signature uh, tab locking seam to ensure there is nothing to fall apart or break. So blah, blah, blah. Um, pretty cool message. And then they put the uh, on the back the, uh, the warranty, the 120-year warranty. It says, we believe the... F- finest products should be built to last and that the people who make them should stand by their work. So they give the the warranty and then also a little thing on how to maintain the leather, like maintaining our leather is designed to last for decades Uh, from time to time. uh, Our classic colors and they have different colors. They have the espresso, the chestnut, the slate. Um, So you've got, you can go with, I always go with the lighter because the lighter, um, the lighter, color of leather because i feel like the um the logo stands stands out more if you're having those engraved oh yeah and uh but it's just it's a it's a way to kind of you know distinguish yourself a little and so you know i have what do you what did you put on yours can i see the cover yeah it's uh it's a company it's a company logo and um the company that i represent and okay. I put the, uh, and it's, it's nicely done too. And these things, I've seen some of these, uh, over time as they wear, they even look, they look better with time. So I say this would be really cool for, um, you know, people that do high ticket programs Yeah, where they, if they would send like a welcome pack and this was part of it, yep. you know, let's say you sell a $5,000 course yep. and you send them this with like some basic stuff in it. I don't mm-hmm. you know, whatever you your material you might want to put in it, right. uh, a journal. I mean, you could just do journal pages. Absolutely. But put your logo in the name of the course, mm-hmm. you know, in, on the binder, like that, that would be really cool. Oh, yeah. And take it to the, cause you know, we've, we've talked about like, just when people have something in their hands like that, um, man, they're going to remember it and remember yeah. where they got it. And, and they're not going to throw it away. I mean, this is like, 
I mean, this is yeah, this, real that's what's cool about leather. This is, yeah. And you can put your message on it. I mean, there's opportunities. You can you can uh, engrave your message near the bottom. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of tailored options on here when you get to the site where you can put your logo where you want it to to appear, um, yeah. how you want to you know present that. But something like that, you know, I always said, you know, you write a book, no one's going to throw away a book. Well, that's not necessarily the case anymore. You know, <laughs> people. <laughs> Books are not what they used to be, but yeah. if you can create something that, uh, on top of that, that provides really good information, but also uh, is an attract has an attractive look to it, yep. it's not going in the garbage. Trust me. Yeah, and they have a lot of looking at their site. They have a lot of uh, pre-done designs. Yeah, you know, they if do. You, mm-hmm. If you want something a little more generic, that um, like sometimes I'm, um, you know sometimes I like getting something from a company that doesn't have their logo. Right. And I still remember that that's where I got it typically. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, so yeah, they've got like American flags. They've mm-hmm. got like a uh, Tesla diagram, um, blueprints. They've yep. got some other, some other cool stuff. I mean, you could get one probably just printed with like journal, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's Maybe what a lot of people use forever. them for is just, you know, if they, want to put their uh, notebook paper in there and use it as a journal. Yep. Um, they, you know, they've got the little eyelet tabs, you know, to keep that bound in there. Yeah. Um, that's very cool. But if you want to really capture attention, this is uh, something to send out to these top, you know, your top customers. I mean, you can spend a hundred bucks or more plus the FedEx shipping. You're going to spend quite a bit. So yeah. you want it to, uh, you want it you to go to the your- right people. You should put your paper email in there, but change it to leather email. <laughs> nice. I love that. Yep. And the whole thing, yep. um, you know, but yeah, of course, like you said, you want to make sure that the people you're sending this to, cause you're, you're in for 150 bucks by the time yeah. you That's right. pay for everything. Yeah. So it needs to be somebody who's probably further down, unless you're just trying to really get somebody's attention. Right. Like a, you know, a top 100 dream 100 type list, mm-hmm. you know, if you're willing to invest, um, 150 bucks and, and you think about it, it's, it's really not that much. Like what are the chances of you finding an ideal client through Facebook ads in the first $150 you spent? Sure. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, it's almost not going to happen. Non-existent. Right? right. So right. if you have a list where you can identify your top hundred prospects, mm-hmm. um, this would, you know, this is where you could just re-divert that ad spend yep. to the to that, and then, yeah, it's lots of ways you could use that for sure. Yep. But I could I could certainly see too why you you'd want to make sure they're at least a step or two into the, the prospect yeah. process. Yeah, that's they don't they definitely don't get this at the beginning. I mean, this is after you know we've yeah, nego- we've talked and and we're at the almost at the um, proposal. I mean, this is at the proposal side of things okay. when I'm trying to win based on, yeah, that, you know, that makes sense after we've already had conversations and we've already worked out a lot of the details in terms of, is this the right fit? Then yeah. it's time for the proposal. And that's when this comes. So, yeah, I don't want my proposal also- to look like anybody else's. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah. These would make great birthday gifts too. Yeah. Christmas, no birthday. Yeah. Yeah, they're so, gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. Nice. All right. 
All right. So let's, uh, yeah. Now we ready for the, yeah, I'm going to show the, our, uh, other screen here. Stop this one. So today we're going to be talking about power. Here we go here. The balance of power, authority, celebrity, and exclusivity. Okay. Um, so we've talked about this and Sean and I, you know, we, we get in these conversations and like we said earlier, sometimes, um, you know, we have a tendency to get into uh, a special, you know, we, t- we can talk about authorities and we can talk about specialists. Um, mm-hmm. My thought is if you're an authority, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean, mean you have to be a specialist. I mean, for example, um, I wouldn't consider you know, someone with the likes of, you know, Dr. Phil or, you know, some of the people that are known celebrities out there. He's probably dated. I'm using a dated guy. Uh, Who's a (laughs) more recent celebrity? (laughs) I don't know. Let's say Dr. Oz is a little more recent. I don't know if he's still around. I think he's trying to get in politics now. Right. Dr. Oz, Um, Joe Rogan. I would consider him... I wouldn't consider him an authority, but because he's associated with so many people, I think that, you know, as a media personality that distinguishes Mm -hmm. him somewhat as an authority, but he's definitely not a specialist because he talks to people of all genres, right? Yeah, I mean, if he had, and he's not even a specialist as a podcaster because he still tours and does comedy. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a commentator for UFC. Like. I mean, that's his three big things. I'm sure he's got other stuff going on, but absolutely, those those are pretty three random mm-hmm. things, really. If you think about it, podcast host, mm-hmm. UFC commentator, yeah, and comedian right. are all pretty different. Yep, exactly. Um, I mean, they're all talking, mm-hmm. so there there is a commonality. Right. Um, they're all you know talking to groups of people and crowds and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It, you know, you wouldn't consider him, and obviously he's a specialist as a comedian. Right. Um, even then, I don't, I don't know how good he is. I've actually never seen him do stand-up. So I don't, like, I've never even watched a video of Joe Rogan doing stand-up. I haven't either. Like, I just. I've only seen him in, in uh, like, you know, fighting, mm-hmm. doing commentary on fighting. Um, yeah. You know, MMA stuff, and then. I mean, he must just be okay at stand-up <laughs> because, like. Right. He, you know, you haven't seen a lot of like Netflix specials and things like that, you know, starring Joe Rogan. Um, So I don't, I don't know how good he is. I haven't watched enough to know, but sorry for any Joe Rogan comedy (laughs) lovers out there, but I just don't know. Um, I do listen to the podcast and I like listening to him on the UFC fights. So Sure. Yeah. So we have here a, a pyramid or triangle Mm -hmm. of uh, influence. The this generalist like is at the bottom, Sean. Teams. The yeah. generalist is all the way at the bottom. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I feel like it's the foundation. There you go. I knew it. <laughs> hey, I'm a copywriter. I can find it. There you go. Don't, don't worry. Don't you worry about that. No, I like. I like. I think it's a good foundation. Like I think. Absolutely. It's, yeah. Um, you know, we we've had this argument. You know, an argument, but discussion before. I've had this argument with people in marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, Tim Ferriss has got a. A thing on his blog where he thinks generalists are more important than specialists. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they can have more empathy. They have more insight. They have more understanding of kind of the big picture and how things work. Yeah. 
you know, it's like people who make jokes about engineers, you know, that they know they're too everything lot. about one little thing. Absolutely. That's yeah. the extreme version of the specialist, mm-hmm. right? That that's too far specialized. Right. It's like anything else. This is a pendulum, right? It's like, you know, you can be too general and know a little tiny bit about all kinds of stuff. And you just, you're kind of a trivia person. Right. And then the other side is like, you know, everything in the world about, you know, how to yeah. make a mechanical bolt. Absolutely. You know, and, the, and this happens of steel and all the thread, thread size and thread spirals and like a mechanical engineer would know. Mm-hmm. But like you try to talk about that at a party, a generalist is going to have more fun at a party. That's right. That's for sure. Well, think about, I had this conversation with my kids the other night about, you know, typecast and when it comes to celebrities in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know, think about the guys that have been typecast over the years and couldn't break yep. out of that. Right. Yep. And then I think about, um, I think about someone like Tom Cruise yep. who has never gotten into, uh, he stayed away from the, um, you know, he stayed away from a lot of the, uh, Marvel genre type yeah. movies, probably for, I don't know. And I don't know if that's going to hurt your career chances or what, but he's Didn't always made his. himself available or put himself in a position to take on numerous roles in different genres, like from, yeah. from Top Gun pilot to, uh, you know, you know, pool player to, and people think that he's always in the, these like, badass movies but i can name a ton of movies that he was in that he's like that he's done an incredible acting job where he's been you know he wasn't like some badass superhero or badass yeah, the, the firm comes to mind yeah the firm um uh i'm trying to think of the one the about the vietnam guy that came back uh, born on the fourth of july i think it was a, oh yeah yeah, yeah I forgot about that one rain man you know he played yeah. a um you know, I mean, he was selfish. Yeah. Selfish stepbrother, whatever he was. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He's, you know, he's done some good stuff for sure. Um, and then you look at like the opposite version, you look at <clears throat> some of these guys that, um, oh, what's his name? He's like, there's a whole group of them that like, they always play like a military, you know, brass, or they always play like a Senator, um, you know, that right. kind of thing. They're, right. they're always the same character in every, every movie they play in. Typically right. they're more supporting cast, not, not a main character, Yeah. but even like Matt Damon, you know, he's, he's played a lot of different roles, Absolutely. but then, but then when he did go to the Bourne, like he, he kind of became Jason Bourne after that. Right. Exactly. But I think his, I mean, his best work was probably Goodwill Hunting. Yep. Oh yeah. By far. Love that yeah. movie. Peaked early. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> He and Affleck. That was a great movie. <clears throat> yeah. Although he did The Revenant. That was good. I like that. But yeah. You, you got to like those kind of movies to like that. Absolutely. Uh, um, so, yeah. So, generalist specialist, specialist. Um, is on this chart higher. Mm-hmm. Um, Authority figure. Again, though, it, but it's just specialist. It doesn't say, you know, this is the conversation we're having before the show. It's like, how specialized is the question? Like mm-hmm. how specialized do you need to get to be a quote specialist? Right. right. Do you really need to be 
pediatric neurosurgeon to be a specialist. Obviously, right. yeah, that's that's his, and, and that's I love that's like yeah. the go to example for people who like to say generalist or no good is they mm-hmm. go straight to like surgeon of right. some kind. Right. Well, a pediatric neurosurgeon is going to make more than a neurosurgeon. They're going to make more than a general practitioner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True, but that's not always true. Right. Um, that's just that's an easy example. Yep. Um, so what's the next level then? If it's the authority figure, celebrity specialist, that's at the very top. Okay. So that's so, the pe- person that is, uh, not only specializes, but is well known in their specialization, okay. um, as an authority figure. So they're working so, with, uh, so are we saying on this chart, I know, you know, you didn't make this chart, but right. Let's. Do we not think that there are any authority figure celebrity or authority figure celebrity generalist? Yeah, I, I, yeah, there are. Yeah, I mean, I think you know we were talking earlier about Joe Rogan. I think, yeah. um, I think Oprah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these people uh, that are to use the. I think we touched on this last week. Um, you know, Brendan Richard said, you know, there's a couple types of experts in the world. You could be you can interview other experts and be an expert interviewer. Right. Which most, a lot of podcast hosts, that's what they do, right? Exactly. They, I mean, I think of Lewis Howes, like, I mean, he, I wouldn't consider him a specialist in anything other than, I guess he played handball in the Olympics. <laughs> Nobody's right. ever seen in right. real life. Right. Um, but other than that, like he's, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say that's niche to like personal development because he goes all over the map with, with that podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, School yeah. of Greatness. I mean, that's pretty yeah. vague. That's right. Um, and he's done pretty well for himself uh, with that. So, so, yeah, it's interesting that he only graduated up specialists. I think you could have two pyramids side by side that say one is a specialist pyramid, one's a generalist pyramid. That's right. Yeah. Um, I don't think it has to be one or the other. Right. Well, I think if you get too locked in, you're going to eventually have to expand, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, I think you can, I don't care what people say is like, you know, we also have to take personality to type, right? Somebody who's going to be happy being a a pediatric neurosurgeon for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Some people that would be just absolute boredom. Yeah. Right. No matter how big the stakes are, no matter how much the pay is, going into the same place every day and doing the same basic thing would kill some people. Mm -hmm. So I think you also have to take that into account. Like what's your personality? Like what, how are you, what's going to make you happy? Because if you're not happy doing what you're doing, you'll never get great at it. Right. Right. You got to have some level of, of enjoyment about what you do, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's sales or copywriting or coaching or whatever it is, like you need to enjoy it at least a little bit. Um, and a, a specialist won't help you with that, right? It, any more than a generalist will if you don't sure. at least enjoy it. So, right. you definitely, I think, have to take your own personality, your own, you know, what makes you happy mm-hmm. type, you know, ideas into account too. Right. Um, but I could absolutely see a celebrity generalist. I could absolutely see an authority figure generalist. Um. So yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting thing, but um, I think the real lesson here is not general specialist, but stacking the authority, stacking the celebrity. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that's really where you want it to go anyway. Yeah. Is like, how do you build authority and how do you then add on celebrity status? Yeah. Whether you're a specialist or a journalist, how do you do that? I bet you're going to tell us, aren't you, John? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and here's the thing. We've talked about this before is like, you don't have to lock yourself in. You just have to tailor your message that goes out to Right. Uh, this niche, this niche, or this niche. It's like my friend in, um, I've got a friend who's an attorney and we were having a beer a couple of weeks ago and, uh, we were catching up. He's an old high school buddy of mine. Um, he's back in town. And so, uh, we were having a beer one Saturday and he's struggling. I mean, he's an attorney. Mm -hmm. Trust me, not all attorneys are are doing super well out there. They're not making buku money. Um, and he, he hates what he does. Honestly, he does a lot of, um, you know, basically elder or, or not, it's like real estate stuff. I mean, or, or okay. not, um, estate stuff, not oh, estate elder stuff. law. Yeah. yeah. Which he absolutely, I think he's miserable doing that. Um, and he was like, he was lamenting the fact that he's, he's stuck in this, you know, but he doesn't want to, um, he wants to, you know, he doesn't, it's not that he hates law. It's that he's ultimately wants to get into celebrity law, you know, mm. and he wants to move over to Nashville and work with celebrities. And I'm like, well, you know, I think that it doesn't require you to go get retrained or anything like that. You just he have doesn't to need a new law degree. He just needs exactly. Re- you just have to reposition yourself, yourself reposition yeah. your message and mm-hmm. start learning some marketing and tailor that message to, you know, celebrities. And, uh, you know, he has, really it's as simple as just like saying, I'm the celebrity attorney. Exactly. Yep. And before right. anybody else does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, name it, claim it. Right. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, Amen, brother. That's, that's how it goes. Um, the best stake in the South. Best, I mean, what are we, yeah, what were we saying it. earlier? You know, yeah. The steakhouse that I went to, why did I go there? Because they said, had the best, audacity to say best steaks in the we're south. We're the best steaks in the south. That's right. That's and you're right. like, well, may not be true, but it's I'm gonna test. I'm gonna see. Yep. Because if they're right, yep. then this is the place I want to go. Mm-hmm. If they're not, hey, I wait, you know, it's one meal, I'll go find a better steak somewhere else later. Yep. And I think that's that's how a lot of this positioning works. It's like, okay, you want to be the celebrity attorney, uh, the attorney the attorney for celebrities. Right. Um, you know. They're going to at least start there, right? Absolutely. If they can afford it and right. all that right. kind of stuff. So. Right. Well, how do you do that? Well, how do you get it? How do you get authority? Authority yeah. is not being questioned. Okay. You know, uh, so when you view someone as an authority figure, you v- view them as the expert. Uh, they're much more knowledgeable than others, recognizable than others as the expert symbols of being an expert. Um, I shared with him, my attorney friend, like, so we were just talking about, we were having conversation, you know, conversation at the bar. And he's like, how did you, how did you, uh, become the, you know, the expert or the podcaster for the composites industry? And I was like, well, I just started one. That's, (laughs) that's really all I did was I started one like, you know, six years ago and, you know, I started just doing it on a regular basis and people recognize me. And then I started building sponsorships off of our, you know, trade associations. They're like, Oh, you're, mm-hmm. you do this. 
they didn't ask me questions like what's your qualification you know i didn't have any qualification i don't even have background in composites <laughs> engineering you know but i started yeah. this podcast so it doesn't matter right so sometimes you have to create the perception how do you create the perception well, sometimes the easy way to do that is to start creating content around that, right? Yeah. Something that you're, you're either, like we said earlier, you're either interviewing people on a regular basis who are in that particular field, uh, which I do, and I've done for a regular basis, you know, on a regular basis for the last six years. So yeah. that perceives me because I'm associated with those experts. That makes me the perceived expert in their mind. Right. It's, it's kind of the law of proximity, right? People assume that if you can get in proximity, that you can interview these people, that you must have some kind of clout that they don't. That's right. Because exactly. they've never met these people. They've yep. never met the CEO of XYZ Corporation. Right. And they're in the industry. They've been in the industry for 25 years and they've never met the guy. Absolutely. And here, and here they, the guy is on your podcast. Right. Right. So it's like, oh, this guy must have come to him. Like there's so much in, in there's so many assumptions people make. Mm-hmm because of biases and mental biases and all these things that we can, that you, you might as well take advantage of them. Like they they don't harm anybody and people are already having these biases. Mm -hmm. So I love this, that it's the first line an expert is much more knowledgeable about X than others. Yeah. And I remember, you know, it was popular probably 10 or 12 years ago, Jonathan, that people would say, you know, if you just read three to five books on your subject, you'll know more than 95% of the people in the world about that, about that subject. Absolutely. You know, or interview three to five experts. Right. You know, if I really wanted to like know about and be seen as a, an expert in quantum physics, I just got to go find the top five guys in quantum physics and interview them and talk to them and then start, and then start talking about it. Absolutely. Yep. You know, cause I would in, in talking to those five guys or, or women over, um, you know, an hour and a half or so each, Mm -hmm. I would probably hear all the term, all the terminology, you know, the 20% of the terminology that makes 80% of the difference. Right. You know, Tim Ferriss talks, has talked about this for a decade now. It's like, you really only need to know 20% of any given industry to know what, to to do what 80% of that industry does. Absolutely. Because there's only really 20% that really, really matters in that industry. The rest gets too nuanced or doesn't matter or whatever. Um, you know, so long as you know the basics of, of quantum physics, Mm -hmm. you could, you could have a pretty good conversation until you go, you know, work at a MIT or something (laughs) and like, yeah, go to the lunchroom at MIT or something, then you're, you're going to be out of your element But for the, for the common person, you could be definitely be an expert because That's you right. just have to know more. I love how this says this more knowledgeable about X than others than others. Not yeah. everyone. Not every, yeah, exactly. Just more than others. Right. Which is pretty broad. Which, so. Yeah. Which is much of your audience. A lot of times, you know, I'm, I always say like on my pod, when I do podcasts, I'm the least knowledgeable person on my podcast. Like when yeah. I'm interviewing people. Yeah. Um, which is the case for, you know, anybody out there that's, you know, in, you know, I mean, that's Joe Rogan because he's out there interviewing people. But especially in my industry, you know, I'll yeah. be interviewing 
Uh, a lot of the guys in your industry, they've been in there for 20, 25, 30 years, right? Yeah, and they have PhDs and they're working in, you know, laboratories or, yeah. uh, you know, facilities that are developing technologies. And, you know, I'm asking questions. <laughs> like, I, don't even know. I just need to ask questions that, you know, that, you know, and there's some background. I mean, there's some prep work involved in asking those questions, yeah. Um, but outside of that, you know, you don't have to be the, uh, you know, the authority of knowledge. You just have to ask the right questions and be able to pull that out of them so that they'll, you know, know how to share that, you know, with your audience. Um, yep. But it's amazing. Honestly, I'm amazed at how this works over the years, creating a podcast out of nothing just by saying years ago, I said, you know, is there a podcast in this industry? No. Well, I'm going to create one. I had the audacity to create a podcast when mm -hmm. I didn't have, you know, all the credentials. And I started interviewing people. They came on because I created a podcast. So I've done something they didn't do. They want to be on the show. And nowadays I get, you know, regular requests from you know, interview, you know, companies out there, not just companies, but also associations that want to be on the show, um, on a regular basis calling, Hey, just want to give you an announcement that we're, you know, opening a new facility or that we're having a new manufacturing plant that's starting up or blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, we want to come on your show and talk about the new, you know, the, this trade show that's coming up next month or in the next couple of months and stuff like that. You know, it's just, it's crazy how yeah. that works, you know? So authority, is it's like not it's like it says not being questioned once you go out there and do it like people don't question like are you qualified <laughs> are you qualified yeah. to be to own this podcast you, know, you just own yeah, it you're associated with it so they don't even say that so yeah it's so i mean i was i'm amazed like when i first started selling like in back in 2000 i was selling financial products Right. And I knew nothing about them, right? I mean, you can get a license to sell financial products right. pretty easily, just like real estate or anything else, right? You can, or a, you know, physical trainer mm -hmm. um, certification or whatever. Like if you just pass the test, I just barely scratched the surface of what you need to know in that, in that niche. But right. I would show up at people's houses mm -hmm. and I'd be making, I knew more than they did about the products, just right. a little tiny bit more. Sure. Um, and you know, let's go through some of the other things on this list. So symbols of being an expert, I would mm -hmm. wear a suit because mm -hmm. yep. in the financial world, that's in the, the market I was going after, like people expected you to be in a suit and tie. Right. Right. Cause if you're managing money or talking about money, that's just, that's the way it was, especially back then. Sure. Um, not as much today. Um, and then looks like an afford authority figure. I mean, uniforms, a suit is a, is a type of uniform. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you know, if, if I'm a plumber and I want to be an authoritative looking plumber, I probably would not wear a three piece suit. <laughs> right. No. When I showed up to do unplug somebody's toilet, I would have a tool belt on. Absolutely. I would show up in a, you know, a shirt with my name on it probably, mm -hmm. or in a van that's labeled, right? That's all part of the uniform, the props yep. around yep. you for, for you and the podcast thing, the podcast platform itself is kind of like a uniform. Yeah. Like it, it says so much about, I mean, it, a podcast just implies this guy's an expert about right. 
something, right? Because most people don't even know how to get a podcast started sure. and all the stuff that goes into it. So they just assume it's much, much harder. It's like publishing a book. That looks hard. It's really not, but it it looks hard. And so oh, people yeah. just automatically assign authority to it sure. if you go through the process. 